Citizens of the Reject Nation, it's time for a very special Koi's Comic Corner because Spider-Man is my favorite comic character, so I'm overjoyed to be ranking his movies. Now, please do leave a like, subscribe, leave in the comments your ranking, and yes, we are going to include Across the Spider-Verse. Now, there'll be no spoilers for Across the Spider-Verse, I promise not a one. The rest, obviously, spoilers, those movies have been out for a while, but no spoilers for Across the Spider-Verse as we rank all 10 of the Spider-Man films. Number 10, Spider-Man 3. You knew this was going to be this. I mean, there's not really another answer. I do think Spider-Man 3 is a bit better than some people might give it credit for. It is not great by any means, but the Sandman stuff really, really works. A lot of the darkness of what Spider-Man's going through works, but there is enough negative. There is enough that doesn't work. It has to be the bottom of the barrel. I didn't love the ultimate Spider-Man casting of Topher Grace. I didn't love the dancing. I didn't love some of the choices that were made, especially at the cost of not just Spider-Man, but all the characters in this film. When Peter Parker is making out with Gwen Stacy in front of Spider-Man before he even gets the symbiote, it's hard to see him fall from grace because it feels like he's already fallen from grace. Sandman, however, holds the test of time, and I do feel like No Way Home redeemed a lot of what the Sam Raimi movie was supposed to be, and I would love, honestly, for Sam Raimi to get the chance to make the Spider-Man 4 he wanted because I wanted to see the Spider-Man 3 with Sandman without Venom pushed in there. A lot works, but more doesn't. Number nine, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. This is also kind of just where it needs to live. This movie is studio interference, the movie. Now, this movie came out pretty deep into the MCU already being established, and I feel like they were trying to figure out what to do with Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. There was talk of an Amazing Spider-Man 3. There was talk of bringing Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man into the MCU. I feel like there was just so many what-ifs that it cost the movie a lot of its own integrity. I don't blame Mark Webb. I don't even blame some of the writing choices. I blame the overall conversation between the studio and the writers and the director and the leads. Now, that said, all of those, the negatives, the positives are ample. The relationship between Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker is maybe my favorite Spider-Man relationship. It absolutely sings the moment with the Green Goblin and the 121 on the clock. She literally falls and the clock says 121 and that's the issue she died in. That is a genius Easter egg for comic fans. There's also a lot of beautiful lore explored here. The use of the Z-axis, not quite as good as the first Amazing Spider-Man, but really does work here. The fighting with Electro is visually stunning and this is maybe the best web swinging in any Spider-Man live action film. You heard me, I think this is the best live action web swinging and he moves like Todd McFarlane. He has all the sensibilities of a spider and I still think Andrew Garfield is our best live action Spider-Man. So Amazing Spider-Man 2 is number nine, but I do have a place in my heart for it that's higher than a lot of people, I think. Number eight, Spider-Man Far From Home. Spider-Man Far From Home is, I think, a lot like Amazing Spider-Man 2, a movie that has a lot going on that doesn't quite know where to land those things. It is not just a Spider-Man movie. It's a Spider-Man movie in the MCU that uses some of the characters that has some ramifications, but doesn't quite know where to put them. I think that all the Spider-Man films in the MCU use the Spider-Man villains very well. Not all of the films, but the MCU films really know how to get these characters to sing. I think using the Tony Stark backstory with Mysterio was genius. I think Mysterio is a prophetic villain. I think we're getting closer and closer to not knowing what our reality is. I think using a character from the 60s that doesn't quite always work on the page and making him even better on the screen absolutely elevates Far From Home. That being said, I don't feel like Spider-Man should always be out of New York. He's a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Why can't he be in New York? I didn't want to see him go to Europe. I wanted to see him in New York. That story would have worked so much better if it ended with the Statue of Liberty. I know we got there in No Way Home, but I really wanted some iconic Spider-Man lore to be explored in the streets of New York, and I feel like we still haven't gotten there with our Spider-Man. Now, by the time we get to No Way Home, we start exploring where that could go, but I do feel like it was a poor decision to take Spider-Man that we just got out of New York. I feel like Homecoming set him up for one thing, and then he got put in the Avengers movies. I feel like he came back from the Avengers movies, they took him to Europe. Spider-Man still hasn't gotten to be our guy yet, and Far From Home, I think, was the biggest example of that not working as much as it should have. Number seven. 
seven, Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man, and this is where I'm gonna start getting some heat. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man is so important. It is very foundational. That does not mean it's better than the next six films. And I know there is nostalgia for some things, and I know sometimes that's deserved, and I'm not saying it's a bad film, but I'm not thinking it's better than the next six. This movie really, really, really started a lot of things after Blade, and it really allowed for the universe we live in now to work, but there's a lot of things that don't work for me. I think that Sam Raimi absolutely loves the Silver Age Spider-Man, but when you're mixing the Silver Age Spider-Man with the ultimate era of Spider-Man with the 2000s stuff, it does kind of feel disjointed. I think Tobey Maguire, his inherent anger as Peter Parker works for a lot of writers take on Peter Parker. I don't see Spider-Man as this boiling rage character unless he has the symbiote suit on. I know it's very popular to love your characters in black suits and make them angry and make them come back from the dead looking at you, certain other character that's very popular in comics, but it doesn't mean that's the character. And I really think that the first Spider-Man started us on a trajectory of this angry nerd that was mad at being a nerd as opposed to someone that wanted to help everyone as opposed to someone that wanted to find the right way. I also think Green Goblin was poorly directed as the character. I think that we saw later what Willem Dafoe could do as the character. I think it was a product of its time, which costs it some. And I have to look at this movie as 2023 looking at Spider-Man, not what 2001 gave us to Spider-Man. In 01, greatest superhero movie. It's amazing we got the Green Goblin at all. But now I have to put the next six above it as much as I love Spider-Man, as much as I needed that movie to be as good as it was, as much as that movie shaped me at the exact right age, I just can't put it higher than number seven. Number six, The Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, I put The Amazing Spider-Man over the first Spider-Man because I think this movie understands who Spider-Man is. The biggest complaint I've heard about the actual portrayal of Spider-Man is that he's cool. Andrew Garfield is a cool guy, but he's not playing cool. That's just who he is. Peter Parker, Mary Jane, Gwen Stacy, and Black Cat would like a word with you if you don't think Peter Parker's cool. Being smart and being cool aren't mutually exclusive things. He dresses in a sweater vest in the 60s because people dressed in sweater vests and he wore glasses because he needed glasses. He was a nerd to Flash Thompson and to Betty Brant and some of the cool kids, but he didn't stay a nerd. That wasn't what he was as a character. He has nerdy qualities, but I hate that everyone sees him skateboarding as like, well, he's not Spider-Man. There's so much in this first movie, especially with the lizard that really ties into the science elements. I love how much of a scientist he is. And most of all, and this is a very, for me, black and white issue. I love Gwen Stacy and Spider-Man's relationship. I mentioned Mary Jane Gwen and Black Cat. This is a very romantic character. I do not love how much we remove the romantic elements from these characters in the MCU and Amazing Spider-Man didn't remove it at all. It was a fixture. It was a point of pride in this movie. Mark Webb made 500 Days of Summer. That's why you put him on Amazing Spider-Man. The relationship between Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield was so good it translated into real life. This movie loves love and it loves their relationship and Spider-Man's a tragic figure. He's a Shakespearean character that's always about loss and overcoming loss and striving through adversity. If you don't love his life, you don't love his adversity. If he doesn't have the Gwen Stacy relationship work, when she dies, it doesn't matter. I never really, really believed in Mary Jane and Peter Parker in the Sam Raimi universe. I just didn't. I didn't think they worked. I didn't think they had chemistry. I know they dated. In the movies, it didn't translate. It translated in The Amazing Spider-Man. His web swinging is immaculate. That scene of him in the sewers doing all the Top McFarlane poses like he does in the second film. All of that to me is Spider-Man. It had studio problems. It had writing problems. There are problems, but to me, The Amazing Spider-Man is more Spider-Man than the first Spider-Man. Number five, Spider-Man 2. This is, with good reason, one of the most beloved superhero comic book films of all time, and it's number five. That's how good the Spider-Man films are. Putting this list together was insane because on any other top 10 list, you'd be hard pressed to find where to put the Spider-Man movies because they're near the top. Spider-Man 2 is one of those, oh my God, that's when we fixed comic book movies for a reason. The Alfred Molina stuff absolutely works. The Daily Bugle is amazing. All of the stuff in New York, I love Sam Raimi's New York. All of those elements are absolutely Spider-Man. There are so many iconic moments I remember to this day, like him with the pizza, him 
with the train, him with the Aunt May elements. There are things that I love about this movie, but what keeps it from being in the top four is a lot of the Tobey Maguire stuff that I just don't see as Spider-Man from my personal interpretation of the character mixed with scenes like the train scene, which starts out amazing. The Doc Ock fight on top, all of that's great. But then the very heavy handed, like maskless Spider-Man, not a single New Yorker is going to sell him out. Yes, I love that he represents New York. Yes, I love that Sam Raimi understands that Spider-Man represents New York. But the suspension of disbelief between the first and the second is a giant leap that no one ever finds out Tobey Maguire slash Peter Parker is Spider-Man. And there's a lot of those decisions made in the second film. There's a lot of the things that make Sam Raimi movies work, like the horror sequence with Doc Ock that don't quite fit the film for me. I love that sequence and I love it in the movie. But when I look at Spider-Man, I don't think of those elements. I'd love to see a Sam Raimi directed Craven the Last Hunt. I'd love to see some horror stories of Spider-Man, but Doc Ock never felt like the horror character to play with. I didn't attach to the science as much as I attached to the horror. And there were so many elements like Daniel Day Kim being his assistant, which is crazy to look at. There's so many science elements that could have been dove into more. It's number five. It's high up. It'd be in the top 10 of damn near any list, but the top four are even higher for me. Number four. Spider-Man Homecoming. And this is maybe my most controversial take on the Spider-Man lore in that as much as Alfred Molina is beloved for good reason, he's an incredible villain in the Spider-Man movies. But for me, I think the Vulture did all of the things that people love about Molina's take, but a little bit better for me. Like for example, in the comics, the big twist on Norman Osborn is that he's Harry Osborn's dad. It's someone you didn't expect, all these things. And then they did that in the movies with another flying green character and made it the love interest's father. They tied in all of the John Hughes elements of him being a kid and having that inherent fear and respect for a paternal figure. Nothing scarier than meeting your prom date's dad and then it's the Vulture. Tying that youthful energy into a twist from the comic books, but subverting expectations so we're surprised. And that whole scene in the car where Michael Keaton deftly overpowers Spider-Man verbally and the lighting shows you who they are, it reminds me of the first Spider-Man when at Thanksgiving, Green Goblin's wearing Spider-Man colors and Spider-Man's wearing Green Goblin colors, but with lighting. And then you've got the Vulture himself who's literally scavenging the remnants of the MCU. That's the perfect way to bring in a Spider-Man villain. You tie it into Tony Stark in a really fun way, which they did again very well with Mysterio. I love the lore built in the mythology and the texture and the quilt that is the MCU weaving into Spider-Man like a web. And I think that honestly, Tom Holland is Spider-Man, even though I don't love that he has the tech suit, even though I don't love that he's always like the right amount of power and we don't get him to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. This is the movie we got the closest. I love him getting the bike and the churro. I love him figuring out his town. I love him figuring out all the elements of like going to the bodega and then like, you know, making sure it doesn't get destroyed in the next. There's so much right about Spider-Man Homecoming. I feel like it gets overshadowed because Iron Man's in it, but Iron Man isn't as distracting as people remember. That's just what the posters were. If you watch it, he's not in it as much as I think people remember, and it does tie beautifully into this. Now, I do think there's Spider-Man in the comics, which I consider Andrew Garfield. There's Spider-Man in the Silver Age, which I consider Tobey Maguire. The best possible way to bring Spider-Man into the MCU was Spider-Man Homecoming, and that's not to mention the fact we got not one but two shockers. We got Donald Glover tying in his whole Donald for Spider-Man Man campaign and being basically the proto prowler and, and being one of the best tie-ins of all time and him getting webbed to a car that has the license plate with his character's first appearance. There's so much love for Spider-Man and Homecoming that it is easily top four for me and it was actually hard to put it here. Number three, Into the Spider-Verse. Again, I said after five, it's going to be just hot takes. Into the Spider-Verse is a five-star film, which means the next two are also five-star films. For context, I've given 22 films five stars. Three of them are Spider-Man. That's insane. This character has so much that we identify with and that's what this first movie is about into the spider-verse is anyone can wear the mask i'm gonna be totally honest i was worried because the spider-verse comic storyline 
felt like, okay, how can we make more Spider-Man to sell toys? And this did the opposite of commodification. This made it like, oh wait, these Spider-Men have all of these plot points and narratives that really, really work. Getting rid of Moreland and telling the story that they needed to tell for the movie was bold because of that's that was the comic storyline. Instead, they were able to, in an animated movie that's under two hours, explain quantum theory for adults and children while telling the most compelling Spider-Man story to that point. And it's able to introduce so many characters you love immediately. It brings you Spider-Gwen, who much like, in my opinion, Miles, elevated beyond the comic material. I love Miles in the comics. I love Spider-Gwen in the comics. I never was like, these guys are better than Peter Parker. I just didn't connect to them as much because I'd been with Spider-Man Peter Parker my whole life. This movie showed me they're all Spider-Man. And this movie showed me how they're different. And it's not just their powers. It's who they are as people. And it gives me all of that in less than two hours while being one of the most visually stimulating and stunning movies I've ever seen while holding up to this day as one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever consumed while being a source of joy and inspiration for anyone that watches it and giving us Nick Cage as Spider-Man Noir. There is so much right about Into the Spider-Verse that I don't know that it could be number three on any other comic book movie list. If I ever rank the top 200 comic book movies, it might be three there too. This is crazy. Love this movie. Number two, No Way Home. And here is where everyone's going to be like, ah, recency bias and the movie's not that good. And without the tie-ins with those characters, it's nothing. That's not true. The movie does tell the finale of a six movie origin, which is so ambitious and so bold. It is a story of power and responsibility that puts our Spider-Mans that we've loved, our Spider-Men that we've loved for our entire child and adulthoods as the Uncle Ben figures. It makes Aunt May such a, a more important character in our MCU Spider-Man's life while making those Spider-Mans the Uncle Bens. It gives us meme moments that actually work. It gives us dialogue that explains away plot holes from the past. It gives us nostalgia in a way that is more authentic to plot than I think any requel ever. I love that nostalgia is so important because I think it's really important to remember the good times, but it's also important to make new good times. This movie uniquely reminds us of the good times while building more new good times. Tom Holland is at his absolute best here. The scenes of him in anguish, the scenes of him fighting, the Green Goblin sequence where he's literally tearing a building down around him, the feast building, all of the things that he's able to do with his incredible acting and physicality elevate Tom Holland's Spider-Man while we have the supporting characters of Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. Also, my problems with Tobey Maguire went away in this movie. He even acknowledges his anger being a negative. Then Andrew Garfield acknowledging the way he's had to cope and deal with things. It gave me an amazing Spider-Man 3 and a Spider-Man 4 verbally while improving Tom Holland. And I haven't even mentioned the villains. We get beautiful new takes on old characters. We get the best Green Goblin I can possibly imagine. We get redemption for Alfred Molina with the way his character landed. I love Alfred Molina as Doc Ock. I love him even more here. I actually felt the adversity with the tentacles. I actually felt Sandman not knowing how to handle the situation. I actually felt all of these characters trying to figure out why a Sinister Six would exist, which is exactly the kind of characters they are in the comic books, but even better to have it translate through actors giving us so much behind their eyes. This movie is a perfect three Spider-Man movie. It is a perfect almost Sinister Six movie. It is a perfect MCU installment, and it's doing all of that at once with incredible visuals and incredible love for a character that I've loved since I could read. I learned to read with this character and Spider-Man No Way Home made me feel like I was reading what my childhood promised me could be made into a movie while as an adult and I could not possibly express how much that movie means to me. Number one, 
I cannot honestly believe I'm saying this because what I just went through trying to encapsulate how much I love No Way Home, I didn't think anything could top it. I honestly didn't think anything could top into the Spider-Verse. So the fact that No Way Home affected me so much, I, I was flabbergasted. I've only seen it once, but I think this is where it lands. Across the Spider-Verse is my favorite Spider-Man movie. Across the Spider-Verse is something I need to do a six hour dissertation on. There's gonna be a spoiler talk tomorrow on this very channel. There's a spoiler free video already up of me reviewing this movie and a spoiler on my own channel. So there's lots of places to hear me deep dive because frankly, I need to, to do it justice. But in brief, this movie does everything that Into the Spider-Verse did for more characters. This movie does it with characters that I was more invested in. One, because I was more invested in Miles and Gwen. This go around because of how good a job the first movie did. It has the opposite of the sequel problem. Instead of trying to go bigger and louder and bolder, it accomplishes bigger and louder and bolder, but its goal is to go deeper. The goal of this film is to feel for all these characters more, not sensationalize these characters. It happens to be perhaps the most impressive bit of animation I've ever seen. I think it is the most impressive translation of any medium to animation of all time. I cannot fathom how this movie exists, but all of that is secondary to the characters. All of that is secondary to how much you feel for these characters. And it's not just the characters we met in the first. Spider-Man 2099 has so, so much going on. Spot is one of the villains I never thought we'd see on screen. And he is utilized here masterfully. And that is one thing that I didn't expect from this movie. It has, I think, and I'm not gonna be hyperbolic here. I've been thinking about it for a week. I think this is my favorite cameo appearance in the history of movies. And that's personal to me. It's not gonna be everyone's favorite cameo appearance, but it is my favorite cameo appearance in movies. And it does all of that while doing some things I can't talk about until the spoiler review, because those things are so much and they're so impactful, but it never leaves behind our two leads. And this movie is effectively a Spider-Gwen movie as much as it's a Miles Morales movie. This movie is about how you wear the mask. This movie is about the world of Spider-Man. And what Spider-Man is to me is family and it's power and responsibility and it's taking care of your loved ones. And this movie takes the time to take care of its loved ones and us who love it. We're Spider-Man's family, we're his loved ones, we care about this character so much. This movie's a love letter to us from Lord and Miller. This movie makes sure that we are receiving all of that. And 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 I did, and uh, I, I cried so much, and I cheered so much, and I believed in visuals I didn't think could translate, and I, I just saw what I've always wanted a Spider-Man movie to be. I wanna thank them. So thank you to everyone that made Across Spider-Verse. is my number one Spider-Man film of all time. I'm excited to talk about it tomorrow on the spoiler live chat. I'm excited to talk about it on my own spoiler review. I'm excited to talk about it in the video. That's already up in this channel, the non-spoiler, because that three minutes was hard to keep to three. I wanted to go like 20, but Craig's sitting right there and he's going, Koi, how long is this video going to be? Like 82 minutes? And I was like, no, well, maybe 20 and eh, like 30. But that's beside the point. I loved Across the Spider-Verse. I hope you love Across the Spider-Verse. I've only seen it the once and I usually wait to rank them until I've seen it twice, but I think that's where it lives. And I'm so excited to see it again. And I'm so proud to be a Spider-Man fan. So uh, check out Across the Spider-Verse. It is now playing. See it big, see it loud, all the, all the catchy things. And let me know in the comments below what you think your ranking is. But in all honesty, I would see it in IMAX and I'm gonna go see it again in 3D because I saw it in 2D and I'm curious how it translates. Let me know in the comments what you think of Across the Spider-Verse. Let me know what you think of my list. Let me know what your list is. Like, comment, subscribe, and Koi's Comic Corner's back. You guys asked for it. I was so excited to see all the comments went in Koi's Comic Corner. This was the best thing to come back to. Much, much love. I'll see you soon with another one.